One of my priest buddies, uh, when we were in seminary together, uh, he was a huge, huge St. Louis Rams fan. And as some of you know, it took a lot of courage to be a Rams fan, especially in some of their final years here in St. Louis, because the Rams were awful during that time. Sure, they had the greatest show on turf, but that was very limited. They, they were really, really bad. It was season after season of playing like hot garbage. And to be a Rams fan meant, it meant immeasurable suffering, especially during those later years. And we would give my friend all kinds of trouble when we were in seminary because the Rams were so bad. And then the Rams left, and my friend decided he wanted to choose a new team. And of course, he chose the Cleveland Browns, which if any of you know football, they were the only team that was worse than the Rams during that year. And they're a fan base that has suffered even more. They've never won a Super Bowl. We, we were just aghast by it. We said, why? Do you enjoy losing? Do you like suffering? Do you really want to go from one bad team to the next? We, we threw around that word suffering a lot, and we, we still do that. It's often in the context of sports and maybe just seeing other people in our world going through suffering. And we hear this gospel, though, of Jesus talking with his disciples about suffering and how essential it is to the Christian life. But if we really want to understand these words from Jesus, we have to go back. We have to go back all the way to the very beginning, to Adam and Eve, and their first sin, that fall from grace. Because by original sin, when they said no to God, they deserved punishment. They deserved suffering. And that sin was passed down to you and I and every single human being who will ever come after us. By original sin, we all deserve punishment. And if we were to be atoned, if we were to be redeemed from that sin, then there would have to be someone who would take all of the suffering that we deserved and put it upon himself. That's how the equation would have to work. All that suffering that should have gone to us, that we deserved because of our sinfulness, brought down to us from Adam and Eve, would have had to have been taken on by one person. And as we know, Christ did this for us. He suffered himself and took on the suffering that we deserved for our sins. Suffering had to be a part of the equation. There was no way that you or I was going to be redeemed Without it, there was no other way for Christ to save the world. And so naturally, every time that Jesus was tempted in the Gospels, it was a temptation to avoid suffering, to get out of suffering, to save the world by some other means than suffering. Think of, it, think of the temptations of Jesus in the desert. He went out to the desert for 40 days. He was hungry. And how did Satan tempt him? He said, turn the stones into bread, end the suffering, end your hunger. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was tempted by the evil one, where he prayed, let this cup of suffering pass from me. And in his humanity, Jesus didn't want to suffer, but as he said, not as I will, but your will be done. And even on the cross, all the onlookers jeering Jesus, telling him to come down from the cross and save himself, then we'll believe in you. And come down from the cross and end your suffering. And so the words today from Peter sort of fall along that line. 
You know, Peter is essentially telling Jesus, God forbid that you should ever have to suffer. You're the God of the universe. You should never have to suffer. To suffer. But Jesus tells him that that line of thinking is straight out of the mouth of the evil one. So he tells him, get behind me, Satan. You are not thinking as God does, but as human beings do. Yeah, this is St. Peter, who in the previous gospel, the one we heard from last week, made his great confession of faith. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And ten seconds later, Jesus is comparing him to the evil one. Our Lord tells him, no, suffering is my mission. Suffering for humanity is my calling. It is my vocation. It is the reason why I came into this world. Suffering is not something that is beneath God. He was willing to enter into it. All of humanity, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the suffering. He freely entered into suffering and saw it as essential to saving us. And because Christ suffered, and because Christ calls us to suffer too, suffering is a part of the Christian life. It's something very uniquely human. Human beings are the only creatures who can know that they are suffering. And suffering entails both physical suffering, especially when going through great pain, but also moral suffering. When There's a lack of a spiritual good that should be there. Things like injustice, a lack of right order, and a lack of charity. And Christ's suffering on the cross was both physical suffering and moral suffering too. Sure, he went through immense pain, but he also saw human sinfulness at its absolute worst. There was a lack of goodness where there should have been goodness. And he saw that most intensely on the cross and in the agony of the garden too. Brothers and sisters, suffering is how we can follow Jesus more closely. It is how he calls us to follow after him, to take up our cross. Christ also showed us how to suffer well, to offer up suffering on behalf of others, on behalf of our brothers and sisters in the church, other people who might need it. And no one really demonstrated this, I think, in my lifetime better than St. John Paul II. You know, in his later years, he had a very public battle with Parkinson's. And just think of the vulnerability that he had, a man of such esteem, a public figure as himself, to display public suffering for everyone. His tremors, his fragility was on display for the entire world to see. And yet people my age, you know, I was born in 1992, just to make you all feel old. John Paul II, we only remember him as a frail old man. I don't remember John Paul II as a vivacious young pope bringing down communism. My memories of him are as a frail old man, trembling, offering mass, struggling to walk, sometimes falling down. It's a hard thing to put in front of the world, knowing that that was how people would remember him. Think of the humility that took. But John Paul II didn't shy away from it. He didn't try to hide it. He even wrote an encyclical on the meaning of suffering. And he called suffering salvific as part of our salvation. And he offered up those sufferings he had for the whole church. And if the fruits of his papacy are any indication, that was a beautiful act of offering and a beautiful prayer. 
He embraced his cross as a way of sharing in Jesus' cross. And so when we suffer and take up our cross, we are true disciples, brothers and sisters. And sure, suffering isn't easy. That's why it's suffering, after all. But we know that we are walking a path that our Lord himself has walked before us too. He has already borne our burden and gives us hope that we do not suffer for nothing. Because if Jesus can make something good come out of the worst suffering humanity has ever known, the same can happen for us. So brothers and sisters, when the cross comes between us and Jesus, let us pray that we be willing to follow after Jesus' footsteps. And like John Paul II, may we take up our cross as our Lord did and embrace suffering by offering it up for the salvation of others, just as Jesus did for us.